0: All right, Charlie,
1: Charlie, hello,
0: good afternoon to you.
1: Hello, good afternoon to you.
0: (laughs) I'm really excited to have you on. I have been wanting to do this with you for quite some time, ever since we first met uh, virtually and got to know each other and realize how many synergies we have and how passionate we are about very similar things. And I am looking forward to learning more about you and digging a little bit more about what brought you to this passion and um and for the audience to hear about the things that you're doing and the problems that you're solving. But before we go into that, tell us a little bit about just. Who you are a little bit of a background a little snapshot of your career story i always feel it's interesting for people to see how one comes about to doing certain things so floor is yours
1: awesome well first of all thank you for having me i am so appreciative of your time and for welcoming me me to this conversation. I love what you do. <laughs> so this, uh, this is a great opportunity. Uh, I'm Charlie Oliver, the founder and CEO of Tech 2025, which is an innovation and futurist community that prepares the workforce, everyone really, but specifically the workforce for the future, for the technological future. Those are the disruptions that are coming, the technologies that are coming, the opportunities. That are coming that's a very important thing mm-hmm. and uh and we've been doing that since 2017 january to actually it's almost coming up on our anniversary we launched january the 11th was our very first event sold out, it was an event on AI and we had some of everyone in there, it was, it was actually uh, sponsored by NYU. And it was a great crowd of just diverse people from everywhere wanting to figure out what this AI thing was, right? So mm-hmm. that's how we go about doing things. The basis of what Tech 2025 is, is we believe really strongly, I believe in my heart and I know this from the work that I do that any and everyone can and must participate in innovation and in the technological future, right? So that was an offshoot of Surfresh Fresh Media, which was my, is, it's still here, uh, which is my company. It's a digital media, media marketing agency. Launched that in 2000, oh, 2008 <laughs> and helped companies, sort of come into the digital era, right? Was bringing them on board into social media, um, introducing them to digital tools, um, helping them with their branding and their voice, their messaging, understanding how to connect with people in a real substantive way, that's the word, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and that was wonderful. Tech 2025 was an offshoot of that because in 2016, I began to hear from clients and these are enterprise companies that you know, they were very nervous about this AI machine learning and, you know, digital, we don't have a digital transformation strategy. What should we do? What's this? So that this was that answer. And the answer is to talk to the rest of the organization, right, to no longer do top-down innovation, but to in- involve everyone. So my background is pretty much, um, it's very diverse. I've had people who say that when they look at my res- my resume or, or my bio, they go, darn. <laughs> How old are you? (laughs) I don't know whether to take that as a good thing or a bad thing, but here's what that means. Uh, I have uh, my roots are in, let's say, entertainment. Yes, I worked in TV and film for years in the writer's room. Uh, So, story, creating story and being creative and expressing the, the what we are in a very creative and open way is very much the basis of all of the work that I do. Everything that I do starts with a story and, and tapping into that. Um, so I, I worked in TV and film for years, which was great, including indie film, you know, at Sundance Film Festival and, and had a ball. Um, I've also worked a lot, obviously, in advertising and marketing, which has been great. <laughs> and along the way, stopped off into different um I call them pit stops, you know, because I have so many different interests, but, you know, corporate law, not as a lawyer, no, no, I document, you know, presentations and um, that sort of thing. So, you know, I've had a great, varied and very, to me, exciting career because I got a chance to work with a lot of people who taught me some things along the way.
0: Yeah. Listen, that's awesome. And I I really enjoy when I meet people like yourself who come from such dynamic backgrounds. And it's 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 quite nice. And it's it's always like when somebody else looked at your CV, right? And and they're like, oh, it's kind of like there's so much. And like, how do you manage to do all of that? Because what yeah. we often see is people kind of doing the same thing, working maybe in a couple of companies within similar roles, right? And I always wonder, like, is it that isn't that because knowing you a little bit now, I know that you are so full of energy and you're again you're just so dynamic in the things that you do and you're so passionate about it. And I wonder if it's because you're passionate about everything. You know, like as you kind of grew into into what you're doing today, I wonder if it's the passion that makes you kind of be very driven because that's what I see in individuals. So I'm I'm just curious.
1: God, that is so. Astute of you, I love that you you framed it that way. Because honestly, you would think that that would be something that I would know about myself, just intuitively. Like this is who I am. I'm passionate. But I think a lot of times, especially when you're young, right, you're just kind of living life and you're being led by what you feel. And it's not really you don't think of it as being passionate. It's just who I am and what I want to do. But hindsight being 2020, as I look back on my life at this age, right, and a little bit of mileage. <laughs> on my life. Definitely. I would, I would agree with you with that 100%. And not only that, but let me just tell you how important that, how crucial that passion is when you choose unconventional pathways. Um, yes. Because as you said, you know, people look at my, my bio and they go, Oh, you, you've been some places. I've had people look at my bio and say, well, you just didn't give a damn. Did you, you did whatever you wanted to do. I've had, <laughs> And I go, yeah, pretty much. Um, In order to do that, the passion gives you the conviction to withstand the negative pushback that you would get from making these jerky moves that don't seem to make sense on the surface. But you look back on your life, you realize, oh, my God, I, I see why now I was drawn to that. It prepared me for this. And it's the same even with entertainment. I was in entertainment for years. I did this. I did this. Now I see how those things why I was drawn to them and how they prepared me for what I am today and maybe what I'm going to be tomorrow. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's As, interesting. As you're speaking, I'm also reflecting because I, for me, I, I, um, I never really had a plan like looking back. I didn't, not really when I was starting right. off, I was just, I just knew what I didn't like to do. I didn't want to do it for a long time. Right. right. Was that right. The same for you? <laughs>
1: absolutely and listen passion brought us together because remember our very first exchange i came to your event your virtual event and you know i'm doing a million things like everyone i'm online i'm a client but i, I have your event on and i'm popping in but i have it on so i'm also listening to it and boy i listened to you oh my god i was like and, and i mean you it takes a lot to pull me away right because i have things going on there you kept pulling me away it was, number one, what you were saying, which was so spot on, and I agreed with everything that you said, but also it was your passion. Um, it was just, unmist- like, passion recognizes passion, right? So I I heard it, I said, and then when I came and I looked and I saw you, I said, whoa, she's, she's walking the talk. She believes it. This isn't some, like, you know, and so that's why I reached out to you, right? Because it's so mm-hmm. important to connect with people who are passionate. And today, I don't think you can... I think if you don't find a way, and I'm not saying passion is everything, but if you don't find a way to tap into it and to, I, I'm going to say exploit it, you know, I mean, to really exploit it for what it's worth, um, you, I don't think you're going to go as far as you can mm-hmm. or maybe you want to personally.
0: Yeah. And and it's actually pretty spot on in terms of passion. I was reading, I forget who said it, um, I forget, I apologize, but I was I saw something the other day and it was saying that, you know, for people who struggle, because there's a lot of talk about pa- passion and people struggle to find passion. And if you ask me, like when I was first starting out, I wasn't sure what my passion was, but I found it through the things that I was doing. And that's what it sounds like to you. So it's almost like continuous to be curious, which is why you started off in media and entertainment. And now you're all the way on AI and tech stuff, which is like, world, like a complete different shift, Right.
1: So, right.
0: and, and so like for young people and you and I would talk a lot about the youth and future of youth and stuff like that. And, and that's what I always say, you know, you have to just experiment and it sounds kind of hard to grasp. Like it's not tangible, but that's right. really what works. And I, and I speak to a lot of people like yourself who are kind of just from, di- from these dynamic different backgrounds. And that's the answer. Usually is just continue to try to find you something you enjoy. If you don't like doing right. what you're doing, like, Try something else. And that's how you almost come to your passion,
1: right? 100%. Hell, 1000%. Let me tell you that you said something earlier that basically underscores this point perfectly. It's not just, I think people think that their passion a lot of times just sort of happens, or, you know, I'm going to do something I like, and then boom, there's my passion. Frankly, the passion comes and is recognized and gets developed when you begin to say no to what you don't want.
0: Mm -hmm. The
1: problem is that too many people say yes to too many things that that they know they don't want. Sometimes we have to, sometimes we do, but for the most part, people are saying yes to things that they don't want to do that they know is not inherently in their being and in their best interest. And so then you deplete your reserves for understanding who you are and what you really want. The reward for saying no to that job, to that Person who wants to marry you, right? Yeah. Whatever. The reward for that is that you then put that energy into understanding more about you to find what is your passion. But you've got to say no. And that requires the other C word, which is courage.
0: Yeah. Every
1: time you, I know you're courageous. I already know that 100%. So your life is, you know, just an incredible book. Um, if you lean into the courage, right, to say no, you will find the passion to say yes and, and and do what you want to do. The other thing that you said, that's really important. God, I, I just love this. You use the other C word, which is curious. You've got to be, let me tell you something. This is really interesting. I was on the phone the other day with a very good friend of mine who runs, she's the CEO of a very big film organization. She's a brilliant woman, brilliant. And we were talking and talking and she says, you know, Charlie, I just find that a lot of the youth, the, you know, in her organization that she she works with or who work for her. These are interns and also the next generation coming up. She says, you know, what's missing is the curiosity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She says, I'm not really, I'm not, it's maddening because that's the age where you're supposed to be curious and want to experience things. And everything she says, but well, when they have to solve a problem for the most part, and this is not everyone, she says, but I'm seeing in the 20-somethings that there's not the same curiosity that, that like we had or prior generations had. It's just not there. They want you to solve a problem for them or give them everything they need right then and there to solve it or that's it. Mm. You know something I think, and this is, we can talk about this all day, but what I will say is that this goes back to what we do at Tech 2025. And I know to some degree what you do as well, which is, you know, being mindful about the impact of technologies on our development, right? So that we develop technologies that don't, which is what I think happened, stomp the curiosity out of us. And let me explain what I mean. I think that the reason the the generations coming up and every generation sort of that curiosity doesn't seem to be there the way it was at the the periods is because technologies don't reward curiosity, right? The, the, the tech they have now, it's like they get everything they want right away. You, you want to know? Go to Google. Boom, there's your answer. You get rewarded for immediacy, for speed, not for curiosity. So, you know, that's a problem. That's a problem because that's just a, that's just a cultural thing. But it doesn't mean that it can't be fixed or that it can't be addressed or mm. that we shouldn't find ways moving forward in developing these technologies to reward youth coming up for curiosity you know, so that they understand that, you know, yes, it's a struggle, but at the end of that, there's a reward. Um, And it's not just uh, the immediacy of that thing that you're getting, but the process through which you have to go to get it. Mm.
0: And you know, what's interesting is that I agree with you in, in, in the sense that with technology, it's so accessible, but also it's inaccurate. So, so, and this is where the, the curiosity to look at a different source. So like, I mean, I mean, you and I know this, but if you're looking at Google, if all you're using is Google to look up your information, you're missing out on a whole lot of information because that algorithm is very much tailored towards your your data and your history and all of that. So this is where you say, okay, well, I wonder if I look on Duck.Go. So I use Duck.Go if I need to kind of do a little bit different digging and get different news or you know okay. opinions. Right. So as simple as that, also just that, that curiosity goes beyond. It's not just curious, but it's also accuracy of information. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So like being more looking for the different perspectives, I think that's what happens. And mm-hmm. that all ties in together as well.
1: Absolutely. And and listen, Google. I mean, I think, at the, you know, I think our descendants will look back and see the Googlefication of everything, you know, and say, okay, so that's where they, it began to really change, um, in terms of how we define who we are and what we want to be, because I know some pretty brilliant 20 something year olds who are doing incredible things, right? They're, they're smart, they're out there doing this. Um, and yet even when I have a conversation, I had a conversation with, with, actually I've interviewed her on a podcast and, um, she's brilliant computer scientist, graduated college. at 18, 19, it's brilliant. And uh, and she said this to me. And of course, in my Gen X heart, right? I cringed. I like grabbed the desk and I was like, no. She says, yeah, you know, cause I, you know, I Google, I Googled it. And, you know, Google is everything. Like if I don't have Google as a reference, it's a wrap. And and I kind of got what she meant. But then also I heard her say Google is the ultimate authority. And I was like, ah, now if I'm going to be fair, I do my fair searches of Google on Google too, but I remember a day, and I'm going to sound like an old lady here. We're gonna we're gonna date ourselves, or age ourselves. But you remember when when search engines first came out? Like, when, okay, back in the day, and even just Google, early Google, when you would put in a search and get the strangest things. Like, you would have to go a few pages in to even find what you want, right? I mean, it was just this cornucopia of WTF, like you know, and you go down this rabbit hole. Now I'm not saying we want necessarily that again. But oh, right. God, we saw the the weirdest, most wonderful, most insane stuff that let us know there was a whole world out there related to this topic or maybe not so much and that maybe there's other things we can be exploring. And it, it was serendipitous too, right? Now it's so on the nose. You you look up on Google and it's like you get the first page results and of course it's ad, ad, ad. Oh, you had to, anyway, I'm starting to sound a little cranky that I don't no, mean
0: no. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, I, I think it's a valid point and it's just we just need to be mindful like you said just to be mindful like to not go necessarily for the easy route and to again that be curious to see what what what, what don't we know um right. I'm reading a, a good book now I'm sure you heard of it uh, think again Yes. Um, yeah. So it's a. It's um. I, I've I've had it for a while, and I keep referring back to it because it's just a reminder that we don't know what we don't know, and it's just to to, to continue to you know unlearn and change our perspectives and and really be open minded And I mean, and you know, when you're passionate as well, maybe you can relate to this. But when you're passionate, sometimes you get so caught up in your own in your own. Uh, Uh, thing that you're trying to achieve that you know and that's why I read this book from time to time because it it keeps me like okay Mm -hmm. Elena like chill out maybe maybe you know maybe maybe there's something else so then I go and dig like am I wrong about this or like what else is out there and it really gets me to think so it's um I love that
1: I'll tell you that book is it's a great book okay so confession let me confess um because you know for everything that I say if there were this invisible being watching my life every minute of the day, um, that being would say, now you're being a hypocrite because <laughs> <laughs> so that book, I will tell you something. Okay. So I I I read, um, I use Blinkist. I don't know yeah, if sure know. So when you miss admit...
0: sometimes we don't have the time. I'm with you. I'm with you. It
1: is, it is. And when you said I read the book, I, I thought to myself, I was like, I started to say I did too, but then I was like, Oh no, I, I actually did Blinkist, which is not the same. So I can't really say I read it, but I did do the sort of cliff notes version. <laughs>
0: That's all right. That's all right. Yeah. It's a, Blinkist works as well. Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying I haven't used Blinkist, but there are certain things that you, you know, but I'm i I'm a physical book person in general. Oh. Something yeah. to it, but so it depends on the book. Some books I'll just go and I'll just get an idea just to get the meat yeah. out of it.
1: Why wow, that's um, what Blink is good for.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, so Blinkist is great for that. Absolutely.
1: Um, well I'll get the book now. Now I will definitely get the book. That's the a, digital version.
0: Like do an audio book when you're doing whatever you're doing during the day, it's also good. Um, but anyway, so back to I'm, I'm curious a little bit about you as an entrepreneur as well. So in terms of first of all was not very clear was it was it one of those where you 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 made a conscious decision to say okay I think I'm ready to start my own thing and you prepared for it because I feel everybody's their journey is different some people just kind of hey I'm just going to try this maybe I'm not 100% ready some people like plan for two three years before they jump ship etc so what, what what was your decision uh if there was like any specific clear indicator of like this is
1: it that's a great question and I mean Quite frankly, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I never thought that I did. Anyway, my mother was an entrepreneur. I watched her her struggle. I, I watched her benefit from the fruits of you know get the fruits of her labor. Um, I also watched her struggle as an entrepreneur. Um, she 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 did a lot. She she was one of these people who was always into every you know. She had a lot of different businesses, but they were they made her money. Um, and so it never really occurred Appealed to me because in my twenties and early thirties, I did whatever I wanted to do. So I was never a part of the nine to five, like constant. I always freelanced. I freelanced before it became, you know, in vogue and okay. Yeah. I mean, I I would companies would say, you know, I would go in and they would say, can you do you want to, you know, work with us permanently? No, I don't. Uh, okay, can you work with us long term? Okay, for this meeting, you know, I set my terms. So I never really felt like I wanted to do that. The moment that I decided. To do it, though, was a very, for me, profound moment because it was in 2008 after 2000, after the, well, this was just before the crash. This is my first startup, Art of Talk TV. Um, I left, I came into digital media because of an experience that I had with basically, I was tired of traditional media. I worked in entertainment for years and TV and film and everything. And I knew that there was not a lot of opportunities there at that time, especially still for Black women, right? I mean, it wasn't a lot in terms of behind the camera, writing, everything. And I just didn't see it. It didn't feel at that time like it was the future. In 2008, You know, you know, the Internet was like, you know, YouTube just launched and and I did a project with another young woman who was incredibly talented. Oh, my God. Um, Catherine Bevel Jones, an indie film producer. And we did this project for the 2008 election. And it was sort of, you know, reading about reading letters from women who had comments about Sarah Palin being vice, you know, running for vice president. And it was, it was like thousands of letters. It was a campaign. And so we did that. We just read it online. Like we had people come in, we had friends and, you know, and uh, just actors come in and pick up papers that had the words of ordinary people ordinary women across the country 99 years old believe it or not we had that down Mm. to 17 year olds and we would stand in front of the camera and just read their words about what they felt because what our point was this new platform is great and the media is covering this election but no one is talking to or getting the feedback of ordinary women who Mm. just as much of a voice anyway we did that and it trended on twitter it went like, and you know, we had reporters come out and talk to us. and I, that was the moment at which I realized, OK, there is such a power to this new medium. Right. And I went in on it. <laughs> OK. And and so at that moment, I decided not only do I want to do this, but because I was so arrogant, I was arrogant in that young kind of like I've done this now. I'm young. I can do this. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was so arrogant. we have all been there. Yeah. Oh my God. I thought to myself, I'm going to crush this and (laughs) that's it. I'm going to make millions and it's a wrap. Well, that didn't quite happen. (laughs) Not only did that not happen, the 2008 crash happened (laughs) and I got my butt kicked and I lost my staff and I fell into a depression and then I became homeless. So the act of deciding to become an entrepreneur was a defining moment in my life that taught me who I am and who I'm not
0: (laughs) I love that I love that because there's so many people and, and um so many people talk about the the trend of being an entrepreneur and I don't think it's especially in Dubai like in the Middle East it's it's all fluff and roses and peaches and it's all great and it's like and it's really not. Uh, and I'm with you. I mean, entrepreneurship, I, I can definitely relate. And um it, mm. it, it breaks you. It either it, it breaks you in many ways, it makes you in many ways, um, yeah. from all aspects, from personal, professional, financial, emotional. Spiritual. Spiritual, <laughs> it's a roller coaster. And and I, I appreciate you being vulnerable and, and 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 just yeah, just sharing your story. Um so yeah, I mean, I just I just I just relate to it so much. and uh, and I, th- I wish more people would be like raw about what does it really take? and yeah. you know, what does that look like and how much risk and how much how big is the reward? Not necessarily financial always, but sometimes okay. it is, but it's also the impact that you feel you're making. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, but I'm curious. so so, and then after that, what what gave you, again, I mean, the courage because I keep like these things keep popping up, like curiosity courage right because that's what it takes so what's you know during that time if you don't mind me asking because i think it's just so important Mm -hmm. to say like you can you can go up and go down and go up and it's a roller coaster so what helped you kind of get back to where you are today
1: you mean from the point at which i um, became homeless and then launched my second startup. So my first startup when I became homeless was Art of Talk TV. And I will say that that was a very dark time in this in this country. I mean, that was the the crash. That was 2000, it was not long after the 2008 crash. So it was, you know, it was that weird period. And my ego got kicked in. And I thought to myself, the, the, I, it took to answer your question, it took me realizing why i thought i wanted to give up you know how i told you you know you sh- you need to follow your passion and learn when to say no and be okay with that right so when i became homeless when i gave up or i thought i was giving up i was saying no to everything because i felt like if i failed at this a startup, right? Which I thought was an easy thing. I bought into the into the cool into the mindset that it was an easy thing. And not only that, but the thing that really hurt me the most was that I failed people. I had a staff. I had a staff, I, and they believed. They believed in me. They believed in the vision, and I I taught I told them that I could take them. We can go further, and then it just and and I was not prepared for that. But I but in realizing that that is what really hurt me. That's what made me go, oh my God. When I allowed myself to fall off of a cliff or jump off of the cliff, um, I I allowed myself to be in that dark space. Um, And when everyone in my life sort of, people who know me, know me, they know they, cause that's not the craziest, thing. I've done some crazy stuff in my life. Um, so, so people who know me know, but still it was such a dramatic thing that when people in my life who care about me began to say, what is going on with you, Charlie? Why, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? I once again had to find the courage to say, I don't know, but I have to do this. I just give up. I don't care. I don't care, right? So while I was in that dark space, um, I realized it gave me time to think and to process and to watch, you know, what I will say is that when you are homeless, you are very vulnerable Mm -hmm. ways that you can't even imagine. And I, it allowed me to watch the world in a position where I could literally just observe and listen. And I, I began having conversations with people when I was homeless, people who or some were better off than me, some were worse off than I was. And, and I began to realize that um, I didn't want to let go of my life, of of life in general. I wanted to let go of what I thought I was, which turned out to be not the Charlie that was, that needed to move forward. So that sort of, and, and I began to realize that when I, when you look around at, at when you're in the in the darkest stages of your life, look at what you are holding on to, right? So you, you look around and I was homeless. I was in the streets. I was oh my God, oh my God. I still have my laptop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wasn't letting that go. Because I said, well, I I still have to find a way to make money to get at. I still have to hustle. I still got it. So the fact that I still was able to do that and say, I still can do this, that let me know you're not you're not giving up. You're just finding a new way to move forward. And then I took it one day at a time, just one day at a time until I saw until it became clearer and clearer. And I began to hear the universe a little clearer, as I call it, you know. I, mean, I don't know. I, I hope that that's not too. Uh, that's kind of the, really the gist of it. And then that one big thing happened. I got a client. Um, I had to humble myself a lot. I had to go back to family. I had to.
0: Yeah.
1: Things I didn't want to do. I had to admit things I didn't want to admit. The price for climbing back up out of a dark, deep depression—it's—it's it's a steep one. There's a reason why people don't just sit. I mean, it's hard. But once you do that, again, that reward. If you allow yourself to do that, whoa, well, that's when um I, I got that big client that cut me a check for twenty five thousand and said, we'll, "We'll take you." And it was like,
0: "That's it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I. I working on my so. light because it's getting yeah, dark. Yeah. So sorry. Uh, yeah, it's um no, and I, and I think it's so spot on. But again, like you know, and I, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but this is one of the things that I was always curious about is because you could have gone the other way, Charlie, like, you know what I mean? You could have gone like, so, so, and this is what, I mean, we're not going to sort this right now because (laughs) it's a larger thing, but. You know, I mean, one point is just the fact that there's there was something and it could be just growing up around a mother that you saw, you know, Mm -hmm. have to go through it and struggle and, and, and overcome challenge after challenge, because I feel like, you know, that's, it's 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 the environment you grow up in, right? because yep. it's it that's what builds that resilience and when you see it and you see what's possible, then it's you kind of pick that up because not right. everybody is able to do that and 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 some people come from very privileged backgrounds and et cetera, and they're still not able to to do that. So there must be something mm. with the growing up in certain environments that prepares yeah. better versus others, which is why you know I'm a huge push for like, it's so good to struggle sometimes for younger yeah. kids, like oh, yeah. you know, but, you know, to create absolutely for them, right? When we talked about yeah. it, we're becoming too soft,
1: you know. Period. It's maddening. And listen, I, you know, to your point, okay. And this is everything. I I had a friend. I'll never forget this. I always remember this story because it's it's the perfect it's the perfect analogy for what you're saying. Um, I had a friend who was very well off. You know, I even lived in big, beautiful, you know condo in the city and everything and they had this most adorable little baby and i went over to, over there to see them and she the baby was just learning to crawl and she, you know crawl pull herself up you know at, the, at that age and they i went up into the apartment into a huge living room The room's big big and uh, they introduced me to the baby and everything. And then the, the mother said, uh, okay, well, Charlie, let's go to the other side of the of the living room and let's go have some coffee over in the kitchen and, uh, you know, some cookies or whatever. And so, uh, so, she, so she gave me the baby and the baby's happy baby laughing and everything. And I says, okay, well, let's do it. I mean, it was like, you know, like a mile <laughs> to get to the other. So I put the baby down on the floor and uh, we, I, you know, I said to her, let's walk over to the, you know, to the, to the kitchen. And she says, oh, okay. And she started to reach to pick up the baby. And I said, no, 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 leave her, leave it, leave her there. Let, let me see what she does. Let me see what she's, cause she's happy. I want to see what she does. So we started walking like, you know, across the living, room, right. And the baby's like, hey, 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 you know, and I turned around and I said, come on, come on, come on. We're going into the kitchen. Let's go. Come on. And I'll never forget. She sat there and she just, she looked at us. And I turned my back on her and I we just kept walking towards the kitchen. When I turned back, she starts pulling herself up, taking, you know, sort of weird little steps to- crawling down, crawling. And that living room is an obstacle. You got the couch, the, you know, the, the otter, the ottoman, the this, that, you know, all these different things. And she's literally maneuvering. And every now and then I would call out to her, Hey, okay, come on. We over here, you know, over here. And I would just ignore her and keep talking to her mother. Her mother was okay with this. But anyway, it was a fascinating thing because she, I, I would call her, she would look at me and she would giggle. And then she would go back to struggling to get that. And then As I'm talking to her mother, all of a sudden I look down and she's pulling on my leg and she's so happy and proud of herself that she did it. I said that to say, that doesn't leave us. It should never leave us. Mm
0: -hmm. We
1: should hold on to that and figure out how to nurture that, that need to either accept friction or some of us are really good at finding friction. (laughs) Some of those relationships are nothing but friction.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a good kind of friction. <laughs> I've, I've had lots of those, so. <laughs> <laughs> <Me too. laughs>
1: but yeah, the curiosity, the, the, the being rewarded for, for moving beyond um, your perceived limitations. Yeah, perceived
0: I like the perceived limitations. I like it. I love it. Um, so that's so spot on, honestly. It's, uh, uh, I, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of this topic, but I want to ask you more about you um, because I feel like if I want something <laughs> in that rabbit hole, it's going to, we're going to go on to a three-hour podcast. But, um, but I'm curious now, kind of, you know, through your experiences and, you know, you're, you're a busy woman, you do a lot of different things. So just curious, kind of, you know, what are you, um, is there any habits Are there any habits that you do on a daily basis that are, I don't know, um, helping you move along in your day, uh, being as busy as you are, et cetera?
1: Yeah, that's a great, great question. And thank you for asking that, because I think we should be asking each other about our habits a lot more, (laughs) not because we need to be in each other's business, but because I think we undervalue we undervalue what good habits can do and the fact that our habits change. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you asked me this question two, three years ago before the pandemic, it would have been a completely different answer. Now, um, three years into the pandemic, yeah, I've had to change. I work home. You know, I'm home most of the time. Uh, I gained weight like everyone. I found, my, oh, it was so depressing. I was, <laughs> anyway, um, went to my doctor. I was like, what? I got a workup. And my doctor was like, okay, you're falling apart, honey. What's going on here? So yeah, I changed my habits. And, and that includes, now I'm going to give you my my morning routine. Because you go online and you do a search for morning routine. And it's a whole culture. It's like on YouTube. There's all these videos and celebrities talk about, here's my routine. This is working for now, okay? Um, so I get up at like 5.30 in the morning. I'm an early bird now, right? I wake up, I'm quiet in bed for a little bit. And then I get up, I have a bo- half a bottle of water. First thing, it's very important. It gets your cells, you know, everything. Then, um, oh yeah, I brush my teeth, I have to brush my teeth. And then uh, I come back and I do breathing exercises. Mm. It turns out we don't know how to breathe as well as we think we do
0: <laughs> I, I heard about that but tell me more i heard about yeah. that. Yeah.
1: yes I, so i do these I've, I've gotten more into it i've got i have a nap now that's really good for, for breathing by the way it's like because i was all messed up with my breathing so i do breathing for about five minutes um sometimes 10 meditation for mm-hmm. 10 minutes right um make my bed and all that other good stuff and then i exercise i have to do i do weight or yoga um, or combination. And then I uh, you know, I have coffee and, you know, do my little shower, my little thing. But it's very important. The most important part of that is that when I wake up, I, I lay in bed for a minute, a couple of minutes, just thinking, I'll lie there, just thinking into in myself and then breathe, take water, feed the body in terms of, you know, the mind meditation and exercise I find that that exercise part two is so important it's yeah. so important
0: yeah and, and the re- I ask this for everybody that I, that I speak to because okay. and usually it's these very essential habits that are so simple that are accessible for everybody yeah. you don't need to have a fancy gym you don't need to do anything oh. like that it's just simple exercises Simple breathing, take it a moment when you wake up, it's the basics. And I talk a lot about it. And in the world, I actually just recently wrote an article about it is that in the world of personal professional development, we focus so much about best strategy to do X or how to build right. a personal brand and how to do all these things. But it comes down to basics. Yes. Uh, mind, body, and soul. If you want to go into spirituality, aspect, ask, oh. right? So like, that's really what it comes down to. And everybody I ask, You know, it's never this crazy things that they're doing and they have all these strategies. It's these simple things. Right. Set them up for everything else in a day. And I think that's so essential. And then you
1: realize, you realize, well, what the hell have I been doing all this time? Right. Because I I think back to pre-pandemic and I I thought I was rocking and I thought I had it going on. And it was like, no, you were running yourself into the ground and you Mm -hmm. didn't even know it. And now you do. And, and so especially when you you know become a certain age, you know, it's like, listen, you know, my body, I'm not, as I like to say to my doctor, listen, I'm not 20 anymore. And my doctor's like, no kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, but you're right. And it's the simple things because those are stress, not just stress busting or stress inducing. Those are crucial tools that you you can use and should use to help you get through the daily stresses that we go through, you know, those moments where you're just feeling anxiety or, you you know, you have a, a big meeting coming or you have, you know what I have learned, breathe. Just breathing helps. Get a glass of water, Charlie, relax. The world is not ending, right? Yeah. Um, take a moment to stretch. I used to sit in my chair all day. Now I stretch. Oh, and walking. I walk every day. I tried to. I went out yesterday. It was freezing, but, you know, I have to walk. I guess. <laughs> And it's a wonderful thing because I'll tell you something about the walking in my neighborhood. Mind you, I'm walking within the same like two, three mile radius here. But uh, it's funny what you discover. I I started walking in this one direction a a few months ago and I discovered an abandoned hospital. And that became part of my narrative. My daily start was posting photos from the hospital. I called it a haunted hospital. Right. But that's feeding my creativity because I all of a sudden became so like what's in there like I see some lights on it's boarded up you know and so then people online in my social feed were like Charlie is it is it can you see someone in there and I'm like I don't know I don't I don't know (laughs) you know and the funny thing is is that um I asked myself why I was so drawn to that hospital I says it's an abandoned hospital and it's really creepy it really is kind of creepy I don't know but I kept going by there every like every other day expecting to see something one day I saw a black cat I was like wow anyway <laughs> here's what happened and here's why we need to here's there's so many ways that you can feed your creative beast I continue to explore that taking photos every day taking that, that, that. well one day huh I saw a security guard huh. nowhere I'm thinking this place has been abandoned and I went up to him And I said, are you securing this place now? What's going on? And he began to talk to me about, he says, well, you know, they bought, someone bought the building. It's going to be a school. Hmm. In two years, it'll be a, a new high school. It'll be an automotive high school or some sort of technical high school, he says. And he began to tell me about it. But he also began to talk to me about the neighborhood. And because he was in his 60s, the neighbors and the people, people I don't know, but people in the neighborhood. And I and so I began to hear these stories and everything. So I guess I said all that to say those walks can enrich you in ways that you just don't even realize. You just it just is wonderful. That's feeding the creative beast.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, another last question for you. Well, two questions. One, if somebody wants to learn, you know, connect with you, watch some photos of haunted hospitals (laughs) to transfer into schools, where do you usually hang out on social media? Where can people get in touch with you?
1: Okay, so I would say uh, definitely LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I post there. Instagram uh, at uh, Charlie Oliver BK uh, Twitter, it's complicated. I'm a little opinionated, so I don't know if that's your thing, you know, uh, but I am on Twitter. So that, um, not so much Facebook, but definitely Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Great. Also, you can email me too, charlie at tech 2025. That's easy as well. Uh, and about
0: tech 2025, if you had a magic wand to, kind of make things happen like what you know with uh, uh, align with your mission and vision for for the company and for kind of what you're looking to to impact if you had a magic wand what would you like people to what would you like to see happen whether it's people uh, organizations
1: oh that's a great question and I feel like I'm not going to give a sufficient answer but I should right I should know um there's no wrong answers here Right. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> and that's because I'm always thinking about the struggle. I'm always thinking whatever it is, there's a flip side and everything. But let me just say, I would love to see people be and feel more empowered to do the things that they really want to do and to participate in innovation in a way that benefits them their communities, right, right, um, and their companies, right, but I, but the flip side of that is that I want companies, It is, it is a matter of survival at this point, that these companies and these executives, okay, begin to value people for who and what they are, right, and what they really have to contribute, and to realize that you've got to allow people the space to be curious, yes, to be courageous. You've got to learn how to push back in a way that's respectful, but you also have to allow yourself to be pushed. I think that's the, the, what's really missing in sort of this innovation puzzle here that we're trying to put together that you are so brilliant and, and contribute to as well. So I would love to see that. from those. And then the last thing I would say is that I would love to see, honestly, I don't know if this will happen, but I would love to see governments step up step up and and begin to really sort of define what some of these parameters are that we will need to work in, in order to define this new ecosystem of innovation. I mean, the metaverse, okay, what does that mean that we want web 2.0 as the metaverse? No. So come on, you know, so anyway, that's, I would, in my role in it and tech 2025's role is to continuously be the ones who, um, not just co-define that, not just give people a place to come and, you know, sort of, open up their minds, but to help them to understand how they can push back, how they can challenge themselves and the system. That's
0: it. I like it. Well, uh, Charlotte, it's, uh, it's been really nice to have you. I know, I'm sure we're going to do uh, more of these where there's so much that you and I can talk about. We should do talk shows or something because I think Hello. We, <laughs> we, we, really, I mean, I, there's so much more that the audience doesn't know that I, I know in terms of the things that you're, you you feel very strongly about. So, I mean, maybe we'll, we'll have another chat. Uh, I the Uh, I love talking to you. Um, you. I love it. I really enjoy the conversation. Thank you for making this time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really, I love what you do and I love your content. So I'm really excited to share it and and thank you. I, I appreciate this opportunity.